Welcome to Story Hooked, where we love reading and hooking you on books that make us happy. Okay, we're coming in with a lot of fire today. We have tried to record this episode many times with many interruptions or reasons to cancel, and today we are determined to... Um, <laughs> we're going to make it happen because this is a really important topic and it's um, yes. a topic that Lynette and I both have really strong feelings about. We've talked about this on our page a good amount, um, but we wanted to have a, a landing space here that was saved that people could come to um, and digest this information as you will. So yeah, tonight, we, yeah, we've talked about this a lot. We've got lots of feelings. <laughs> we do. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the importance of the romance genre and the value that it adds to the world. The world. <laughs> um, I, am, I have like a document in front of me. It's a succinct document. It could have been much bigger um, with highlighted points because I wanted, I, like I said, I have very strong feelings about this because for so long, including now, there are... Sometimes the attitude comes up with that romance as a genre is of like a lesser literary right. value. It's not yeah. as not as good as like other genres. I definitely see it less now. I feel like like Bookstagram, Book Talk, things like that have really engaged people in reading communities in a really positive right. way. But I still yeah. stumble across this and it's interesting to me. And we want to leave this episode with that attitude that that you understand that we're not trying to call people out for being we're not trying to be like you're wrong how terrible we're just trying yeah. to kind of shed a light on something in a different way if you haven't thought about romance in this way before to show why right. we think it's important so we're not trying to like attack anybody but we're right. we're standing our ground we, ha we have some things to say we have some things to say on this. <laughs> we have some things to say <laughs> Like we and, can get it out. Yeah, it's <laughs> the kindest way. We, I mean, just having so many experiences of, like, the romance genre being not taken seriously or being made fun of or whatever you want to call it, just having so many of those experiences recently has been just like, oh, my goodness. Like, and I, I hadn't really experienced that very much until, like, recently, so now I'm, like, more burned out. It. Yeah, I'm more aware of it, man. I'm like, what is going on? But so, I don't yeah. think I attract people to me who don't like romance. That's not true. I have tons of friends who like maybe romance isn't their genre that they prefer, but they don't devalue they don't it. it. Yeah, yeah that, that's different. It's one thing to be like, I don't want to read a romance. It's another thing to be like, romance isn't a good use of your time. Time, like, right. Romance. Right. Um. So actually, why don't we start with some statistics? Are you ready? Did you get some statistics on 100% your, dead. I have the sources. Google Docs. <laughs> I love it. So, so first of all, so this is these are all poll quotes from like sources that have been looking at like statistics and patterns on like the books and so it's that's where I'm polling from is people saying like okay, what are the trends we've seen? in the romance genre, in book genres in general, in buying, especially I was looking at things for 2023, looking at the last few years, right? Okay. And to date, romance is the most, this is verbatim, is the most popular genre of books sold in the U.S., achieving over 32 million print copies sold in 2022. Wow. 
they did have they, they habitually do like studies and stuff on this type of thing and in 2008 there was a study that showed that romance generates 1.3 billion dollars in the United States and that romance novels account for 25% of all books sold and 50% of mass market books sold note that is before the pandemic and when Let's, the pandemic yeah. happened it jumped up that was in 2018 I knew it I knew yeah. it I knew the pandemic was going to have something to do with it I was like oh yeah yeah Oh but yeah, even before, we're gonna even before. Uh-huh. Even before, this is like a big chunk of the pie. When you look at what are readers buying, oh, <laughs> on the They're low end romance. <laughs> is a is a quarter, which is huge. But when you look at mass market books, it's fifty percent. So so much of what is being yeah. bought is romance. Yes. Um. This was really interesting. It says looking at a January to August sales period, an estimated fourteen point three million romance novels were sold compared to last year so this was would have been in 2021 and then compared to in 2020 when there were 11 million sold so like when i say it's going up i mean it's going up by the millions like three per year. million three million like it yeah. is <laughs> this is it, it's not like a slowly swelling genre it is exploding like it was already right. big and it is getting so much bigger there the demand for romance across multiple genres because you have there are i mean look at this we got yeah yeah. there are historical romance there there's contemporary romance there's ya there's adult there's dark romance there's fantasy there's fantasy romance and in all those we have different layers of the types of things that you got with more like lgbtq representation or like different levels of like spice like you can say a historical romance but you could have something extremely spicy with explicit mm-hmm. sex, or you could have something so soft and tender where all they ever do is brush hands, you know, like, right. like Edenbrook or There's, Blackmore. Right. There's a wide, definitely like a wide spectrum for like all, all people's like tastes. Yes. Yes. And that's why, and I wanted to start tonight talking about that because regardless of, if you like to read romance, regardless of where you fall on the scale of where you wedge yourself of like, this is the romance that I read. Like, this is what I like, regardless of whether you like a lot of spice or like none or different genres or only fantasy or whatever that is. What right. we have to say tonight is going to be true to your world of romance. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yes. Because it's so, it's so wide reaching and it applies to every section of it. So whatever yes. your, whatever your corner on the market is, this is going to apply there. Yes. Lynette, I'm just curious. What, where do you get the most of your romance, like in your personal reading, like the genres? Um, like what genres? Um, like I know you I do a lot of Regency. Free. I, I I read a lot of contemporary. Just recently, actually, because I used to do just fantasy. It was like just fantasy romance. Then I started reading some contemporary that was really good because I think I'd read one a while ago that I really didn't enjoy, and I like judged the entire genre by it but then I read one that was really good and I was like oh last year you kind of exploded I remember last year you like rediscovered contemporary yeah and you read so much it was like this is amazing and I just yeah I just I just chowed it all down I was like let's go it was so good it was so good and I am so glad that I opened my mind and heart to that because I would have missed out on so much (laughs) so many so many amazing stories and so many so much amazing like growth even I'd say but um oh I can hear my little baby girl I've got a little baby girl who's sick right now and I can hear her crying anyway sorry so uh fantasy romance regency romance obviously I love regency romance I'm a huge Jane Austen fan anything in that realm um historical romance and contemporary so probably those three regency fantasy 
and contemporary. Nice. I think those might be the top for me too, but I think you've been reading more Regency in the last year than I have. I, I need yeah. more Regency. Um, but speaking of Jane Austen, I have a whole section on her, but we're not getting there quite yet. Okay. <laughs> she has like two bullet point sections in my book and my little doc for this. You made a doc for this, this. discussion. <laughs> I did. Yes. I'm looking at it right now, but, but before we talk about Jane, um, because she's just a wonderful example of why elitism is gross and why, why elitism is gross. <laughs> if, if you get nothing else out of this episode today it it's it's that it's that i think elitism is gross and wow. that honestly gatekeeping on either side of the spectrum is just very gross. off-putting and gross yeah. and weird to be like yeah. to to gatekeep what people should read on either side because i see it also yeah. where people kind of I, I've seen people like kind of mock people who are like reading classics because they're just like they're just doing that for the clout or whatever. I, I see mm -hmm. it more online than in person and for stuff. Sure. But I'm like, yeah. you have a sour attitude, dude. Go away. Yeah, like, and then hey, I see people. No. Yeah. Or people being like, like kind of being weird about people enjoying like graphic novels. I've discovered graphic novels in the last year and I think they're, they're awesome. So fun. Yeah. They're so fun. They're so cool. fun. And I just. I just think different genres and mediums do different things for our brains and it's very weird and ugly and strange to get up yeah. in like a person to to craft your opinion about a genre and the type of person that is going to be reading that genre at all like I was going to say based right. on XYZ but like at all that is that is strange yeah. and inappropriate and just just very weird for sure. Um, this is, like I said, this is why I don't attract people who have those attitudes to me. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm really open life. about that. I don't need that. <laughs> no, thank <Yes>. you. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about like why, why? Because we were talking about like romance was growing. Why is it growing? You already brought up one of these facts earlier. It, the, the pandemic, pandemic yeah. had a huge, it huge was effect. So. It was such a hard time for everybody. I mean, everyone went through their own experience. Everyone went through their own trials during that time, missed things, had things happen, lost loved ones. It was a dark time. It really was. I mean, everyone's experience is different, obviously. There were some good things that obviously came from it as well. Not just not just bad things, of course. Um, a heavy mix of just life experience hitting in such a different way that no one really had before I think you know what I mean mm -hmm. yeah so for sure I feel like that opened up the floodgates for a you're at home you have a lot more time so I feel like reading is like a very it's a time it, it takes time you gotta kind of like find the time for it um so that obviously increased all book consumption I guess if that makes sense yeah but specifically romance just took off right like hmm it is <laughs> i i think it's worth noting and this is like a whole a whole conversation that romance is a very hope forward genre mm -hmm. you cannot classify your book as a romance if it does not have a happily ever after you can say my book has romance in it but it cannot be like Maybe a famous. romance mm -hmm. according to the romance writers of america it cannot be a romance and marketed that way Right. if you don't have a happily ever after yep. and and it's not even just with the couple in general romance tends to explore um relationships and what it is to be yep. in healthy relationships or just like to navigate the big feelings that come with both a romantic relationship but also with 
colleagues, peers, family, um, parents, all, all of that, like relationships tend to be a very heavy focus in the romance genre overall, even outside the couple relationship. For sure. For sure. We love those side characters because of that very reason, because of the connection. Yeah. And because of that, it tends to be a very, I mean, like, once again, there are different subcategories of romance. Yeah. But, like, there's so, so much that falls under the umbrella that is a very, that is a comfort genre, you know? Mm-hmm. You're not going to walk out of it feeling bleak and, like, gross <laughs> or, like, sad. <laughs> You're going to walk out of it feeling more hopeful. That's that's kind of a byproduct of the nature of some of the expectations that you put right. into a romance. Oh, exactly. That actually, if I can just jump in here and quote, okay, one of my favorite authors is Catherine Center. She wrote The Bodyguard. She wrote Little Stranger, Things We Save in a Fire, Happiness for Beginners. She's written a lot of those. Have you read any of her books, Michaela? I haven't, no. I feel like you would really enjoy them. I right. really think that you would. So give some of them a try. But Catherine... And on her Instagram and in her author's note of her latest book, talks about this very thing. She talks about hope. She talks about why the romance genre gives hope. And what I love that she said, because I pretty much just, like, made a huge note of everything that she basically, like, said. So, and it's all so good. It's all so good. So I'm just quoting her here. She said, the happily ever after gives readers something to look forward to. That is another word for hope. Anything that can help you feel hopeful in this world is something beautiful and it's needed. And I loved that so much because she says that, and you you would probably know this as a writer, Mikkel. I don't really know this as a writer because I'm not one, but she said that like a, the purpose of, um, the purpose that a writer is trying to make a book like interesting and good is anticipation And she says different genres work on anticipation in different ways. So like Mm -hmm. a thriller or suspense, it, it, it's the anticipation of fear. Like you're, you're waiting for something scary to happen or in, I'm trying to say. In romance, you're waiting for like the kiss for like the tension for them to get together, et cetera. Exactly. And so she says in like some, in some other novels, it's it's negative anticipation where the, you're feeling worry or dread or fear or something bad's going to happen. But the beauty of romance is that you're anticipating something joyful, something mm. happy, something, she says, joy, love, deliciousness. She she calls it deliciousness, which I was like, that's so great. Because <laughs> that's so accurate, right? This Instead is of something genre. scary or negative, you are looking forward to something good. And that is what sets romance apart, is that you're anticipating happiness. And I love that so much. Just as someone who, like, struggles with mental health and I worry about bad things happening, anticipating the good, like, that's pretty great, you know? That's great. I love that. That I adore that. That is a breath of fresh air is what you, we want it to be. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine. Um, <laughs> I, Yeah. That goes exactly along with what we were saying about it being such a hope-forward, joy-forward genre. Looking forward, Um, yeah, totally. I think we we were talking about, like, why it's growing, right? And, like, how the pandemic had a big effect. It's interesting to me to look at some of the other trends that have happened since the pandemic. 
because mm. that's when TikTok came out during the pandemic, which means book talk started being a thing and bookstagram. Right. I don't know if it was before. I did not discover it before, so I can't really speak to that. But I know it's become huge to be on bookstagram, to be on book talk or whatever right. that is, where the online communities have taken a different shape. You're not like in some random forum in the corner of the internet or something. Like it's mm-hmm. a very big open space yeah very Mm -hmm. easy to join very easy to find people who like what you like very easy to like look up fan art to look up fan fiction to get invested in a community in a way that didn't exist when we were younger yeah like for sure like we've talked about this before how like (laughs) for all of its ridiculousness the the hold that twilight will always have over my life is the fact that it was the first (laughs) book or series that got me into a fandom like it was, I had never, I had never, like I liked Harry Potter, but I didn't like, I did everything Harry Potter solo. Like I did like Pottermore and stuff, like all the quizzes, like by myself on the computer. I didn't engage, but Twilight, yes, I was did. like at the midnight premiere, my sister made me these, <laughs> we had these necklaces that they were an invisible string, except for two little red jewels. So when you wore them on your neck, they looked like a bite mark. I was like, 14 I was You're deep like, into it I'm being well, bit by a vampire <laughs> I was so deep into it Lynette and I'm like this is beautiful oh <laughs> like my this gosh. is because it was the first time that like reading was like a community thing for me like before like the readathons in elementary school but that wasn't a, a community thing that was a reason for me to go snuggle in the corner with my blinky and read at school like <laughs> even that was not a community event different it's so different yeah and so um cool. like having those online communities now like that's just a different dynamic and that's a way it it, it's it's a very big space to be able to share books and like I think that's just enhanced like reading overall which in turn has like helped with romance yeah I totally agree that and it just built so much we thrive on connection we thrive on connection and this just brought people together you found your niche you found your people you found your tribe you whatever you want to call it you were able to find that through book talk or bookstagram or social media. You found people that were like, I love this book. I love this book too. And then you could talk about it and you like made friends that you wouldn't otherwise have connected with if the pandemic hadn't happened because it just kind of like sucked people into it. Yeah. I obviously could say it could be taken the other way where it's almost borderline unhealthy, but I don't know. There have been so many great friendships that we've built I mean it reconnected yeah, me you gotta talk. navigate healthy boundaries either way but the space yeah. exists for you to navigate those boundaries in a way it didn't before you know yeah I mean it brought us back together pretty much I mean Mikel and I have been besties forever and we kind of you know you get married we have kids we kind of grew apart not because we are not friends but because it was just like the natural thing of things and then all of a sudden we're like let's talk about books boom automatically Everything was great again. No, you know what it I mean. It gave us like <laughs> a plat. It gave a platform. Like we just yes. missed each other, and it gave us a platform. Yes. To like, not that's the wrong word because we talked about that for social media. It gave us like a space to be like, oh my a gosh. Space. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to like talk? Do you want to like read a book with me and like talk about adult things instead of diaper things? <laughs> <laughs> like, do you well, want to like actually... have an adult woman conversation about? You bet I do. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you bet. And I do. we just missed that. And like, yeah. like, like you said, we hadn't grown apart for any negative reason. Just that we were getting stretched with jobs, Life. with kids, yeah. with we were living in different states, and we just and like it was great. Yeah. It was a great thing for us to be able. We were like, we're gonna do a podcast, which was really an excuse for us to be like, our kids are gonna go to bed and then we're gonna talk about books it's gonna be great <laughs> and it has been wonderful I yeah, it's been wonderful. so much I also in the last few years is when we've seen the ex- the explosion of different programs of people saying like hey 
it is important to see lots of different um, like groups of people in books and to see them in a really positive, amazing light. And that's when yeah. we started getting things like own voices or where you started to get more like LGBTQ representation in books. Right. And you really see that reflected in romance and also in YA. Yeah. Those, those two places you see that this huge upswing in like the, the diversity of the type of story that you can For read, sure. or the type of hero you yeah. can read about, which is, which is fantastic. That's amazing. Yes, I totally agree. It just like expanded everything so that everyone could have something. Like, yeah. how great is that? How great is that? Yeah. Awesome. It's also interesting. Um, I don't know if I've talked to you about this, but indie publishing is on the rise like it's never been before. So like from a, yeah. a writer's perspective here for a second, um, it is easier now to self-publish than it has ever been in history. And That's you can awesome. do it in so many platforms. If I wanted to self-publish a book in a month and have it out on Amazon, I could do it. Um, cool. If you have a book ready, I mean, but like the idea of like being able to do it, it's accessible in a way that wasn't before. But right. not all genres are doing it to the same degree. And the, one of right. the genres, maybe number one, I, I don't know the stats on this one, so I can't give it to you. But like you don't see a lot of self-published like thrillers, for example, or self-published right. even like mysteries They're as much. More rare, yeah. You see some fantasy, and you see so much self-published romance. Yes. So that's an area where romance has exploded, mm -hmm. where you can you and that there are so many platforms. You there are people who do it on like Kindle Vella, who people who do it only through Amazon. Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the name of some of the others now. I apologize, but there are lots of different spaces where you can self-publish. Right. And wonderful you can books. Build it. You can build it on Book Talk and Bookstagram. You can go yeah. go um find people that would want to read your book through that platform and it works for a lot of people. Yeah. You know? Marketing because of Instagram and things and, and like TikTok and places like that, there is a way to do marketing that didn't exist before. Before it's like I wrote a book. You you can tell. Facebook? Like <laughs> MySpace? <laughs> No, <laughs> it's, it's not going to like get it out very well, but right. because those place, those like spaces are so like mainstream now and so many people have them and see them, right. you can do marketing in a much more broad, like widespread right. way. Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, to open up opportunities for people to create and share and find, uh, that's just awesome. I love it. That, that makes me, that brings, that's so much more joy and hope in the world. For yeah, readers, it's also readers. yeah. It's also awesome how it kind of breaks down gatekeepers. It's like, oh, you don't want to buy my book? I'm gonna publish it myself. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it's, it's given <laughs> some power back to authors yeah. who are like, I want to get this out, and I'm I have a, a different way to do it. Self-publishing even ten years ago was such a different game, and it was so hard and so different. Right. And and it's it's interesting to see how that shift now has really impacted books in general and romance For sure. also. For sure. It's awesome. I love it. I love that it's grown the way that it has. I mean, we had to go through some tough times to get to that point, but coming out on the other side seems pretty great, right? It's pretty great. Yeah, it is pretty great. Um, one more reason on why it's growing, because I thought this one was interesting, and I hadn't thought about this, and then I think we should move into talking about Jane. <laughs> all right, Jane. Um, so... This one I thought, as I was I was doing a little research, preparing my thoughts, um, gathering things together, um, one that I, I thought was interesting is it was talking about how like genre blending is more common now than it used to be. For example, like how women's fiction used to be more separated from romance, and now there's more of a bleed over between those two. For sure, yeah. And 
like this also got me thinking about graphic novels like we mentioned earlier where right. like um like Laura Olympus was the one that I found last year or I read Heartstopper mm-hmm. which is now a show you can watch on Netflix currently I'm reading mm-hmm. one called Mindful Love which is about a love story between sorrow and anxiety as humans in your brain as like beings in your brain mm-hmm. like a romance version of Inside Out it's great <laughs> um and or like you like dark romance exploded in a different way like yeah um like that blend of genres or like one of my a new phrase that I've only heard this year is the horomance where you have horror and romance kind of blended together on that note you should everyone here should read Kelly Andrews the whispering dark and you should pre-order um your blood my bones that comes out next year by her because it is the best book I've ever read it's so good and also you should order together we rot by Skyla Arndt which I got to read early this year and is absolutely incredible um and those would I say those because those would both fall under the horomance (laughs) yeah which I'm like you know what I'm all about it as long as there's a lot of kissing and I'm not totally broken at the end and even then maybe sometimes I'm about it I don't know it's it's therapeutic (laughs) um yeah there we go so just some interesting things like all these different tentacle tentacles prongs i don't know <laughs> reasons <laughs> why romance has just ex- it's it's always been big but it has exploded in a new way over like the last five years yeah i have a question for you yeah so when people talk about like okay like the when we're talking about people who are like this is not like literary or it's like not a classic for example right why is it you think how do I put this? Why is it that when a book is historical, we're more likely to count it as a classic or worthy? Hmm. Because let me let me lay, name some books for you. Okay, ready? Wuthering Heights, Pride and Prejudice, Emma, Jane Eyre, Little Women, Twelfth Night, Anne of Avonlea, Mansfield Park, Northanger Abbey, North and South, Persuasion. I could go on and on and on. These are books that are classified and shelved in many places as romances that in their day were not, many of them, not all, were not well received as like a great book. It was kind of like that's popular literature type of thing that we now literally give to our high schoolers to read, that we we consider classics. (laughs) We shelve in the classics section as well. Right. So what is it? There's a disconnect here for people who make this claim that like romance is a lesser genre but like classics are a better genre. There's a disconnect there because Mm -hmm. being older does not make a book more well-written. That's just not the case. Yep. There's stuff written little back there that is not great. And there's stuff written (laughs) today that is better than everything I read in high school. Like, um, yeah, it, it's true. It's interesting point, right? That is very interesting. Why is it like that? I think, okay, here's just, I'm just spitballing here. I think that, historically I mean I I got my degree in history and oh yeah bring it bring bring your wisdom (laughs) let me bring you the wisdom (laughs) I feel like the most powerful stories to people for some reason is uh, the most powerful stories are things that either are rooted in truth or teach something that rings true to your soul does that make sense oh yeah of course it it's it, i think that because these historical novels are 
have some kind of basis in something that was kind of like history, meaning something that's already happened, something that is seen as fact, it people think it makes it more credible. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I agree. That's that's oh, that's pretty much what I'm thinking. I agree with you, not with them, to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I no, that's my thought, yeah. I I think it's just I I'm and I'm not saying that in like a I don't know, like a jump down your throat way if that's how you no, feel because it's an observation of it, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I also am not going to stand up and be like this rom-com I read is as good as Jane Austen. For example, I feel like that's the wrong way to look at it. Yeah. Do we, do we stand up and say like this pizza is better than this salad? Well, actually, that is a terrible, <laughs> a terrible example. Yes, it is. It's better than this Alfredo. <laughs> yes, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. No, like, I get you. I feel like they serve a very different purpose. Um. Yes, they serve a different purpose. What is the purpose of salad versus pizza? They serve a different purpose. I agree with that. I agree. So this it's comes from like the website that. biography of Jane Austen. Are you ready? Yeah. Um, while J- while Austin, re- I'm quoting it from my screen. While Austin received some accolades for her work while still alive, with her first three novels um, garnering critical attention and increasing financial reward, it was not until after her death that her brother Henry revealed to the public that she was an author. Today, Austin is considered one of the greatest writers in English history, both by academics and the general public. Mm. So we bring her up and talk about her. Yep, she was not the big deal in her day that right. I mean she she was but like it wasn't the yeah. wasn't the way she would have been like today for example like she much of her acclaim came post-mortem, post-mortem like after she died and even right. when it became revealed like that she was an author and this is true for many many female female authors especially throughout history some many who didn't reveal their name at all who, right. who, you know like look at some yep. of the Bronte sisters where they were yep. writing these books that we consider massive classics, but that's they weren't the giving their names. So they would be considered, and that's a different topic. That's yep. more about like sexism in literary history, but like yeah. it's, True. they're tied, they're tied together because these top, these two topics do get pulled together. They totally do. Um, There's so much sexism in loving romance. Like it just is, it just, it's just a fact. And it's, uh, yeah. Well, like the whole fact that we call it women's fiction, I'm like, okay. I, I don't I'm not I'm not a big fan of that term personally. Right. Um, it's like, wait, can't can't a gentleman receive really great insight from this story? Like And well, like does yeah. that mean they have to draw men and women to the same degree? No, it doesn't. But it is interesting to look at like the genre that is largely populated and written mostly by women, mostly for women is often the I market of who's women. reading it, yeah. is the same genre that's being like kind of downgraded in in certain conversations i'm like that's really interesting to me it's very interesting to me and there there is an underlying hypocrisy there that i think is worth mulling over you know yeah there sorry go ahead i didn't want to interrupt you oh no 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 i i just i could even just i've had experiences at a at gatherings of bookish women of that have uh, things have been said that i was kind of like drawn aback like whoa like do you really actually believe that? <laughs> like, that hurts me. It hurts that, me deep. <laughs> I, I'm wounded. Like, wait, whoa, whoa now. There's, uh, yeah. Anyways. I have never found a better explanation, actually, than a little monologue that comes out of a book you and I have both read. And I'm going to mm. read it. I have it here in my hands. Oh, I'm excited. What is it? So, Lin- 
Lynette actually sent me this book as a Christmas gift randomly before we started this podcast. It was it just kind of like, I thought you would like this. I'm like, that was so nice. And I was like, I haven't read a fiction book. I was just barely getting back into reading, you guys. I had the craziest postpartum. It was not a great experience. Um, I, my son is amazing and I love him, but my body was wrecked. I like, yeah. it doesn't matter. We're not going to go into it. But the point being that like it took, and then the pandemic hit and it took a long time for me to just kind of get back to myself. Right. And I hadn't done a lot of reading. I like... My mother-in-law listened to Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes while she painted her house. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I could do audiobooks again. Oh my gosh. I haven't done that forever. Do that. Yeah. Let's do it. So then I listened. I got curious. And so then I listened to Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And I, like, read Ash Princess and, like, that oh, whole I series. And then yeah. I read, oh, what is it, by Catherine Purdy, her first one. Breaking uh, Glass? Burning, Burning Glass. Oh, Burning, Burning Glass. Burning, Burning Glass. And I read that series. And that's basically all I had done like in years and then Lynette sent me this book it's called Lies Jane Austen Told Me it's adorable I love if that you, book <laughs> if you like reading contemporary romance that's really well done with good tension but doesn't have any like any sex in it this is an amazing book for you this is so well done um and it's the premise of the main character is that she loves Jane Austen but is breaking up with her and the idea of her because romance keeps going sour for her and the guy she likes does <laughs> not like Jane Austen and they're gonna end up together and it's great but there's a scene towards the end of the book when she gives um his mom she's like at a family gathering and she's like as a thank you for something the mom that she like gives her this book and it has a Jane Austen quote on it and he kind of like kind of takes a dig at it like you're giving her a Jane Austen quote really because it's like an ongoing joke between them yeah. I'm gonna read the mom's response because even though it is a fictional response it is a true answer and I I love it I love it um this is by Julie Wright by the way lies Jane Austen told me page 274 um says but Caroline wasn't having any of it no society sorry be, so go back so she calls the mom calls Jane Austen she calls her son out for being mad and she's like Jane Austen was a feminist and he's like what no she wasn't like she taught women that they needed a husband to be happy Lucas looked so scandalized I thought he might never forgive me for bringing Jane into his home but Caroline wasn't having any of it no and then here's the important part society taught them that and there's nothing wrong with wanting to be in a healthy functioning loving relationship what Jane taught women was that it was okay for them to read for them to think for them to not play the coquettish little games other women played, she taught them to be moral and smart and that their opinions mattered. And she did all that under the form of basic entertainment where the men would have no idea that a subversive revolution was happening right under their noses, where even the women had no idea that their minds were being enlarged and their prospects expanded. I had a professor tell me that Jane Austen took the pen out of the hand of men hand of man and proved it fit into the curve of a woman's fingers as well she opened the door for women to write their own stories and to not be afraid to own the task yes she was a feminist and don't you dare badmouth her on my birthday so that's the end of the quote i love it i have remembered this little monologue for like three years <laughs> because i oh my gosh there is so much power in this truth yeah. in this yeah. history and she is far from the only author to do this, but she's a very well-known one and an excellent example of quiet change in the literary world for women yes. and what books meant for them, what books were doing for them as readers and doing for them as leads in the books that they were starring in. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Oh, I want to go too. back and read it. I love that book so much. I, that Page was like... 274. I hunted it down. <laughs> I knew it was in there. <laughs> 274. I love it. It's, it's 
it's amazing. And um, what was I going to say? Like, we, we need that change. And when I see people bad-mouthing romance, I kind of go back to this monologue in my head because I'm just like, Don't you dare. why is it that we think that we have to be, like, pushing some big, deep idea in a book for it to be of value? Why yeah. can't we look at stories that make us feel safe, make us feel hopeful, make us feel loved, make us feel excited, make us feel turned on and ready to go find our partner? Like, why can't we, like... Why can't I mean let's acknowledge that is a great part of romance. <laughs> yeah, it is. Absolutely. It's also on my list of things to <laughs> mention. <laughs> like why why do we do that? Because okay. I I feel so sorry. Finish go. your thought, but you I've, go. Got, I've got some things to share from Catherine Center. You go. Go okay, listen to Catherine Center with this. I love this so much. She says the same thing what you were saying. She says why do we roll our eyes at love stories? What bigger decision in life is there than who we want to spend our life with? Like, I love that. I love that so much. She says, uh, it's just, uh, it's so good. Here's another thing that she says. If we can't imagine things, then we can't make them real. If we can't yeah. imagine a world where adult human beings find each other, form connections, like each other, love each other, admire each other, look out, for, look after each other, take care of each other, sacrifice for each other, do kind things for each other. If we can't picture that or believe in it, we can't make it real. Like That's cool. Like that's it. just like everything that, ah, we scoff at it, and yet it is what matters most. And you know what I think is important to note here? is it's not saying that you can't be happy without being in a good relationship. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not, what that's not what I'm saying. No, not at all. What the romance genre as a whole exists to say is that love is healing. That is actually yes. the purpose. Like, from a writer's perspective, um, when, I, when I'm writing, and I write romance, um, and the the goal of the genre and I'm not making this up I've gotten this after trainings and trainings from multiple sources multiple other writers multiple people who talk about this idea about why we read certain genres like one was really interesting it talked about how we read horror to feel brave because we feel afraid and it makes us feel brave uh -huh. you know and facing that and confronting it right and we read romance because um oh I don't remember how they put it exactly but it's the same concept I can't do that one verbatim but it's the same concept of like romance Amazing. teaches that love conquers all yes and even if i mean you can get that in other genres too but that is a staple of this genre you know right. it teaches that love is healing as a writer i'm constantly thinking about the the emotional wounds in my characters the things that send them to therapy the things that break them down mm -hmm. and romance it's not saying having a loving partner but fix those things it's saying you are not broken you are fixable mm -hmm. love is yours like what? Loving yourself, finding healing, catharsis, yeah. like, it's, 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 sounds like therapy to me. Like, there are yeah. times that I've read scenes in a romance novel that healed my inner child, that, that I didn't oh, even know 100%. needed it. And, and I like, know what yeah. scenes those are, and I go back and I read them when I'm sick. <laughs> They're, like, You're specific like, scenes. Remember <laughs> these. Exactly. They are yes. nourishing to your soul. They're healing you. You're learning things, um, like so good yeah I I'm now on the section of my uh, of my document that I think is perfect for where we are in the conversation of reasons why romance is important 
we already talked about this first one about it being hope and happiness forward, but, and we touched on the second one um, where historically and currently it celebrates and pushes for women's happiness and pleasure more than any other genre and puts them at the center of the story. And when I say it puts their pleasure at the center of the story, if you're like, I don't like reading sex scenes, this still applies to you because pleasure is, that's refers to a kiss on the hand, the respect of, of a satisfying and safe and fulfilling relationship. It's it, that, that spans the whole breadth of what you like to read, whether you're into like super spicy historical romance or you're into like really gentle, soft, like those, that truth stands the same, that putting women in the center of their stories um, and celebrating them and celebrating their mm-hmm. hearts and their passions and their and pleasure, like those things. Yes. Does that happen in other books? Yeah, it does. But historically and currently, it happens much more in romance than anywhere else. Yeah. And I'm so fierce about this, you guys. I'm so <laughs> fierce about this point. That is beyond important. And it is. Oh my gosh. It is. It's so true. That's that's powerful right there. Yes, it is. And it's something that I was thinking about when someone's like, oh, this is like my guilty pleasure read. It's like reading romance. I was like, no, no. It can just be your pleasure read. (laughs) Your pleasure read. And there is no guilt in there. Yeah, I throw that term around too, but I'm like, I don't feel guilty about about I don't actually feel guilty about it. I just feel good about it. But really though, I've seen women, I've seen women that I care about deeply be shamed for loving and reading romance. I've actually, yeah, you know, I've talked about this. Yeah. I, uh, yes, there was this, there was this woman that I know who was in a book club that I was in and she, I've been going to this book club for a long time, and at the beginning, all she brought was historical romance novels, and I loved it because I knew if she loved it, I was going to love it because it was, we just had similar tastes, and she would bring five or six every single month and say, here's this, oh, the book club that I was in, you basically just brought whatever you read and then just talked about it, which I thought was the best kind of book club, in my opinion, because then you don't have to read what other people read. You don't have to read what you don't want to. You don't have to. You just celebrate reading. We need to celebrate reading, and that was the best part of it, I will say. But I watched this happen. I watched her slowly look around her and notice that everyone else was reading different stuff. Now, I'm not saying that that's – I'm not knocking that, okay? Everyone comes in with whatever they have to bring to the table, but I watched She was feeling kind of, like, isolated. Right. She was shrinking into her shell. She was – she was – she brought less books. She talked less often about how much she loved it, and then she started bringing – crazy serious like deep dark um these things that were just so heavy and she's like I'm so which glad for the record nothing I've... wrong with that and we also yeah. like those yeah, books yeah, yeah. to be clear yes those yeah I, yes yeah this is purely for telling this story this is this yes. is for selling a point not to knock one genre exactly. and say one's better that's not what I'm saying I'm just saying I watched someone go from reading something that they loved to feeling shame for that to feeling like they had to read something else and that they were like, Oh, I'm so glad that I moved on and this, 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 this. And I watched it happen and it was heartbreaking to me. And she would say, okay, but I don't read those books that often. And I'm like, what happened to you? You love those books. Who hurt you? Who, what? And you're like, I know who hurt you. It was this book club. I know (laughs) who hurt you. I watched it happen. I watched her like, and I'm not saying that she's not happy, but man, I, it was interesting to kind of observe fascinating to watch and I don't even know it, it was very gradual but eventually 
she doesn't bring them anymore. And I'm like, mm. I, uh, anyways, it's, it just shows just another example of like loving what you love and reading what brings you joy. Yeah. Whether that be the horror romance or the paranormal or the, like, I don't know. I just feel so strongly about it. Me like, too. No guilt. Totally. There is no such thing as a guilty pleasure. Like, why Why are women made to feel shame or guilt for feeling pleasure in romance novels? Like, that freaking ticks me off, man. Me too. It makes me, me so too. mad. <laughs> like, no. And <laughs> and I, I get why in some of our circles it can be, like, an uncomfortable to talk about topic. Because, to be frank, we both grew up in a culture that wasn't comfortable talking about sex. It wasn't comfortable mm-hmm. talking about the word pleasure. Like that word alone yep. would be like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But I'm like, I'm saying this with a respect of like what someone wants to read. Like, I'm not telling you what to read. I'm not going to shove a smutty book in your hands unless I know you're going to love it. And then maybe <laughs> I will. Unless I know um, you will or something else. And then I'll be like, here you go, Lynette. Um, <laughs> but like, that's not even the point. That's it's, not the point. No. Nope. And, and the thing is, if... It, it, yeah, it, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter what you're reading in, in, in that regard. Like, it's I, – I can see. That's what I'm trying to get at. It's like I can see where that hesitation has come from, and it makes yeah. me sad. And I'm that's why we wanted to do this episode because we're like, you know what? Honestly, mm-hmm. most of the people who follow or listen to this probably will agree. Some of you probably won't. Um, but right. I, I, I thought it would be nice to be able to talk about this and give you some landing points and things to discuss. So when you go into these situations, maybe you, it help maybe helps you frame like, <laughs> or if nothing else gives puts you, puts us on your side, you know, to yeah. know that this is, this is actually really important to talk about because it's not about just the books you read. It's not just about the book clubs you go to. It's not just about what you buy at the store. It's mm-hmm. kind of a societal attitude. And yep. and it's weird. And once again, elitism is gross. Should we put that on a shirt on a coffee mug? <laughs> hey, I can totally make that into a like, Elitism is gross. Tea elitism is good. Drink is it. Elitism is gross. I'm designing it. That's it. <laughs> I'm designing it. We're making it a thing. <laughs> um, I'm buying. I also <laughs> please. Um, also, there are so many different types of escapism that are just not healthy. Now, any. How do I put this? Any excess probably isn't healthy for your brain, right? You can do excess yeah. anything. You can excess sleep, oh. excess exercise, excess eat. Those are all Sweet. key things you need to survive as a human right. being. Um, so I'm not saying that like so, but beyond excess, in terms of what you're actually doing, this is a very positive escapism. Yeah. Um, if you sure. were to compare like doom scrolling with pulling out like a romance novel and like getting lost in a little world that helps your brain relax, like, oh my gosh, like what a positive People will be like, that's a waste of your time. I'm like, dude, I do not have it in me right now to read freaking Anna Karenina. <laughs> I can never say that one. And maybe, I've never read it. And maybe someday I will. But like when I'm exhausted, I'm a mom, man. Like my kid runs me wild. I love yeah. him so much. I'd give my life for him. I'd do anything for him. But, they suck but, I, I, but I wouldn't read Anna Karenina. <laughs> At nine o'clock at night when my brain is dead, I'm going to pull out like Emily Henry or something like that, you know? Yep. It's like what you were talking about before is like, what's the purpose of it? Yeah. If you want to feel brave, you read that. If you want to feel fear, you read that. If you want to feel nourishment and believe in love, you read that. Like, that's the, that is like, there's a point and a purpose to everything. And yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, and the healing effects – oh, look, these are my last two points. The healing effects of reading in general, and I'm going to speak specifically to romance here, 
but it, this applies to reading in general as well. The healing effects extend past reading your book. They mm. do. The books you yes. impact impact your brain. The way it affects your mood extends after you've closed the page. Yep. Like we mentioned earlier, romance can be enhancing and awesome to healthy sexual relationships. It gets yeah. you in the mood. It gets you out of your head. It does. It's true. If, it's totally true. If you weren't comfortable talking about sex growing up, it's kind of a safe place to learn things you didn't know, you know? Mm-hmm. And I say this as someone where I won't read anything. Like, there are things I'm like, that's not to my taste. And that's okay. And if I learn that's to someone else's taste, that's fine. Like, yeah. it doesn't bother me. Exactly. Because I I recognize that understanding what that is for you is very personal. Like, that's, oh, that's very totally. individual. It's very individual. And wh- yeah. why were you like, oh, it doesn't work for you sexually? Like, why would you ever say that to anyone? You never would, right? It's the yeah, same, that's weird. It's the same that's concept. a weird conversation. Never right? say that to someone. Exactly. Never, no, never get into someone's space. Like, that's that's strange. That's strange and weird. So why does it apply to books I, then? Like, I've... You know. I've had some really interesting conversations with different friends who've even told me that like for they're like because of things that like I've experienced in my life, reading dark romance is really healing. It like helps me confront things in my past in wow. a safe fictional space. And I'm wow. like, I haven't had that experience. I don't read a lot of dark romance. Wow. But that was such a flip from my perspective. I was like, that's really cool. That is that cool is that cool. You, there's a safe fictional space for you to process some things. Yeah, that is so interesting. I've never thought of that. And it makes yeah. so much it makes so much sense. That really does. I think books in general help us to process grief, to process trauma, to process mm-hmm. pain. Um, writing for that does that for me too. Like those are two different ends of the same brush, you know? Yeah. Um, I think I just made that up. I don't know if that's a phrase. (laughs) Yeah. And it's there. It's very therapeutic. Um, um, but yeah, reading books in general, this definitely extends out there and it does not end in this genre at all. In fact, this genre, I think kind of has a very special place in terms of healing hearts. Yes. Which makes sense because it's all about healing hearts. You know, it's about love. Yeah, it's about love and healing and love for yourself even. Choosing yourself or healing, like I always say, healing your inner child and or even things that maybe you hadn't processed yet in your past. I remember reading this book and getting to this scene and all of a sudden I understood something and I just felt better. And all of a sudden I could move forward from that. I'm like, that was awesome. That was so yeah. great. And yeah. it just comes from reading a romance novel or something or, you know, like like you said, any of those novels. But especially, I feel like just for me, they especially come from these for some reason. So Yeah, um, yeah definitely. I want to really fast before you get, did you have one more bullet point you said? I actually have just one more quote that I want to share that kind of goes along with what we were just saying. Okay. There was a few things I have, but this is the last thing I think I feel good about that I okay. like want to share before before I'm done with my right, bucket yeah. of stuff I just, that I wanted to throw. I have one throw. more thing too. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Just, I'll go after you. You go. Share the quote. So just, just because this hooks onto what we were just saying about this idea of like having this safe place to process big feelings, sometimes hard feelings to feel safe, to calm down, to um, have a safe place for your mind and your heart. This quote actually comes from, I, there was this, I was looking through lots of sources. This quote comes from Alicia Rye, who's written Hate to Want You, which I haven't actually read, but I so deeply loved this quote by her. She says, I read romance novels for the dark moment, that part of the book where it feels like everything has gone wrong and the characters can't possibly overcome the obstacles facing them. But then they do, especially right now. I think it's important for people to see and internalize that message. That dark moments are just moments that can be fought and vanquished, and that a happy ending is within reach of everyone. I love that. I loved it too. I love that. It, wow. 
I think sometimes the argument I hear against romance is it sets bad expectations. I'm like, listen, use your judgment. It's a huge genre. And that's going to happen in other genres too. Yes. So be mindful. Talk about healthy love. Like, be mindful. Like, I agree. Make sure you're, you know, like what that means for you in your real life. But in fiction, like, that's a broad generalization. Mm-hmm. A truer generaliza- generalization, I think, that I think is more applicable is this one this idea that reading these hopeful, joyful books teaches that you can overcome the dark spaces in your own life. Mm-hmm. That happiness mm-hmm. is around the corner. The point of a happily ever after doesn't have to be that like everything will be hunky dory and you won't go through bad things anymore. It can simply yeah. be like at the bottom of every well, there's a ladder where you can climb back up. You know, like there's right. there's always going to be an a, a new up. Like there's always light coming forward in your life. You might have yes. a lot of happily ever afters if you think about it that way. It's not one at the end of your life, but Right. happily ever after at the end of like a bad day or a bad week or whatever that is like right that idea of looking forward with hope that's powerful and I, I yes. think that needs a lot more appreciation I totally agree I love that so much that that really stands out to me I feel like that I'm gonna remember that I'm gonna remember that quote it actually I can send it to you uh, actually you yeah, you have you? the doc we yeah. have access to the doc already I do I have all the details on the doc <laughs> I'm gonna go read it. I all of this has been so fascinating. I just want to say, um, when you were talking about people saying, oh, it sets unrealistic expectations, what I have heard, and this is this is applicable to any love story, but people, I've heard it, I've heard it said, they'll say, it's so predictable. Now, what is fascinating about this that I love, this is once again Catherine Center, my girl, she takes this apart, and I love this. She says, Anticipation and surprise are opposites. The number one job of a writer writing a love story is to build anticipation, and you can't be surprised by something that you are anticipating. There's no way to build satisfying anticipation and surprise you in the end when the couple gets together. Other things in the story can surprise you and should, but the main arc has to be predictable because... It's what you're anticipating is that joyful thing at the end. It's that if you went into a romance expecting them to get together and they never did, you didn't read a romance. Yeah, you didn't. You read a tragedy. (laughs) No, I'm just. And you know what? It's not just the genre. It's mysteries too. You have certain expectations, reader expectations, going into the mystery genre, going into the thriller, going into a horror. Yeah, you expect that to happen, and it will because it's the genre. (laughs) If you were reading like a cozy murder mystery and no one dies, you're gonna be like, "What did I just read? That wasn't." You know what I mean? Like yes. you that's you, an expectation exactly. of the genre you are choosing to read. Right. You can find other ways to pull in surprise and you should. You know, like that's that's yeah, good. That's, that's why exactly. That's why I mean some romances places. I read and I'm like, that was a little more that one did fall flat for me and other ones where I'm like, ah, I can't breathe. That was so good. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Yep. It hits differently for everyone. But basically I'm just saying that the happily ever after is what you are anticipating. It's what you're looking forward to. And it's like you said, it is the fact that you know that there is a light after the darkness. There is a happily ever after for you after a bad day, a bad week. Like you were saying, it's it's something that you can look forward to with hope. And there needs to be more hope in this world, which is why Absolutely. the genre is important. Absolutely. Lynette and I made a, um, a resolution earlier this year. We made we a resolution oh, that yeah. we were going to choose happy all year long. That we were going to do things that fueled us with joy. Um, yes. that we were going to set down things that did not, 
Oh, and this really goes ah. <laughs> yes. and this goes along with that, you know, setting that um seeking hope and seeking joy go hand in hand. Yes. And babe, I've seen you go through so much. You've seen me go through so much. We met when we were like twelve, man. And I mean <laughs> we've, we've both been through a lot. <laughs> we're not thirty yet. We are close though. <laughs> we're getting there. Um, I'm twenty eight. Um yep. and we have seen each other go through a lot and some of it's been really bad and I'm I cannot imagine like having my life without you and I will say that on the air right back Um, at you yes I like I I, I can't you know I can't and so like navigating like those big feelings like those big things with someone who I love so much and like seeing the positive effect that that has, it's a, it's a different thing than romance, you know, but it's that idea of like hope forward, joy forward. Like we've seen so much crap and like you're here and I'm here and I love you. And that's the message that I hope everyone gets is that like, you're loved, you're lovable. You are a powerful person who can give love and all you have in front of you is hope and light. And you also have darkness and you also have crap coming, but like, you'll be okay. You know, like that's, that's the message I, I, I want to give in this episode, I guess. I love that. And also, I, yes, I you already know that. this. The other message is that elitism is gross. Don't do it. <laughs> Amen to everything that you just said. And I love you too. <laughs> and I love you too. That's all I wanted to say. I got That's, it all. Yeah, those are all my bullet points too. So hopefully you've learned something or felt something from this episode. And I mean, if not, you probably would have like turned this off by now. So if you're still hanging around, <laughs> if you're good still for here, you. we Thank love you. you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for being here with us. We love sharing. We love sharing with you guys. We do. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us on Story Hook today. Talking about books with each other and with you guys truly brings us so much joy. We hope that you chase your happy today. We hope you find something good to read and we'll catch you on the next episode.